Hey everybody, coaches here, and I hope you guys are doing well. I really do. Hey, we're uh, we're down in the deep south right now, and you know what I'm seeing already? Yep, I'm seeing it. Spring. Spring is springing. I see all kinds of bulbs blooming. I see uh, eastern redbud down here that's already blooming. I see azaleas starting to push color. Yep, spring spring is here down in the deep south. Really enjoying seeing some of the nurseries and some of the landscapes down here as well. Which brings me to this week's topic. Kind of dovetailing off of the last two weeks, your landscape success and also designing. We are going to talk about landscape themes this week. You know, many times a DIYer will come up against a, a creative wall and they will think to themselves, okay, I want to design this, I want to do this myself, but God dang it, I, I just can't, I can't come up with what I want to see or how I, what is it that I like? What kind of, what kind of theme do I need to put to this? And you know, as I was designing people's yards back in the day, what I usually did at the kitchen table when I was hired, I would sit down at the kitchen table and I would talk to them about what they wanted to see. And I would come up right with the adjective of, or the verb of theme. So the verb noun, I don't know. Anyway, and they would say, well, what do you mean by theme? And I'd say, well, as an analogy, we've all gone to theme parks, you know? We have gone to movies that had a particular theme to it. We know that books oftentimes have themes. So landscapes do as well, just like houses do. You know, you got the old bungalow style, you've got earth homes, you've got log cabin themes. Well, landscapes have their own personality. And oftentimes people aren't aware of what they really want until you call their attention to it. And oftentimes they'll start telling me, well, what we want is we want this and this, and we kind of, we kind of need this and this. And I said, oh, okay. So you want a formal theme. And they go, well, I guess so. Now that we think about it. So Today, let's dive into some of the themes that many of us know, and then you guys can kind of extrapolate maybe something that will work for you out of one of these, like singling out a particular theme, or maybe you want to use a little bit of this one and that one. Don't confuse it too much, and I'll talk to you about that <clears throat> later in the show today. Don't confuse it to the part of what were they trying to do here? And I'll tell you how this happens. This often happens from weekend warrior syndrome. And what that is, is you get a wild hair up your butt. You go out one weekend and you start doing something. Whatever it is, you, you felt productive, you wanted to do something. Spring is smacking you across the face and you feel compelled to go out and plant or redo or create or do something. Then that emotion, that feeling goes away. Maybe the heat of the summer sets in, you're going, hell no, I ain't going out there. Or winter sets in, you're going, hell no, I don't want to go out there. But next spring, you get another wild hair and you go out there on another part of your yard and you start doing something, but it's not the same as last time. So you have kind of a, a mishmash of ideas that kind of trickle through the whole landscape, front and back. And it, maybe not just to a professional, will you see that if you go into someone's yard that's not your own. You, you may very well see what is going on here. So let's talk about some of them, shall we? And I'll, talk, I'll start off with one that is so timeless 
and so recognizable. However, to pull it off correctly, you either have to have your, the blood flowing through your veins, number one, or number two, you really have studied up on it. I've only done two out of the many, many, many hundreds of landscapes I put in, only two were like this, and I actually had to go study it up before I designed it and before I installed it. And that is the Japanese theme. The Japanese landscape uh, with its timeless, albeit high maintenance, feng shui elements with raked sand and sometimes even colored rock and water features, very detailed pruning bonsai trees, whether they're in the ground or they're in container, and then that meticulous clipped shrubbery, all having various ties to feeling and emotion and good vibes coming from your landscape, which supposedly kind of enter you. So the Japanese garden, you kind of also have to, I don't, I don't know, everybody's opinion and everybody's feelings about it are a little different, but you can't have the typical 70s ranch style house and then you throw a Japanese garden in it and expect the two to match. Architecture versus landscape. People do it and they're fine with it. Uh, authenticity, I guess, is the word I want to use. Maybe doesn't quite, isn't quite the same. But nonetheless, Japanese landscape, a lot of people do consider that a beautiful form of landscape, as I do, if you keep it really authentic. You just don't kind of willy-nilly it and say, hey, look at my Japanese landscape. And you've got, you know, your bluegrass lawn and other stuff in there. And it's not always perfect. No one is expecting perfection. It is a theme. It just depends on to what level you want to attain it, bringing into a, a really authentic Japanese oriental type of landscape. Okay, let's move on. This one here was something that I used quite a bit out in the rural part of Northern California when I was doing some stuff, uh, especially if I was on acreage of a customer. And that is the natural blend theme. Some of this can be attained by, I don't know, minimizing your footprint, shall we say, if you're building a home out there. Uh, and what I mean by that is your construction footprint, therefore allowing Mother Nature to quickly come back in towards the home. Maybe you have more of an ornamental or a traditional type of lawn, tree, shrubbery thing, but very early on into the landscape, you've kind of stopped the ornamental stuff and it just basically is what it's always been. Uh, it could be native seasonal grasses, it could be uh, boulders, it could be oak trees, it could be uh, native shrubberies, that kind of stuff. That natural blend limits the amount of ornamental landscaping you're going to have to do and it touches the au naturel really fast as you migrate away from the home. I also see and have experienced this in the desert environments, high altitude mountain homes, off grid type dwellings, uh, especially where if you're off grid and you have either cistern water sources or you have rain catchment of one kind or another and you are solar restricted, you don't want to use a whole lot of water watering a big ass thirsty lawn, especially if you have 5,000 gallons and that's supposed to last you all summer long. You're probably not going to be pumping 
you know, 700 gallons of that out onto the lawn each week in order to keep it green. So the natural blend tends to be generally drip related, you know, and large lawns of any kind are not even considered and things like that. Pumping that off of a solar system, even if you have a great one, you've got big inverters and everything else that can run pumps, it doesn't mean that you do it because you have a limited amount of water. So your natural blend may be a little more on city hookup or standard well hookup, and you take care of your ornamental stuff inside, and everything out there at the blended edge and beyond basically kind of stays the way it's always been, the way Mother Nature intended it before you bought the five acre lot and plop your, your casa on it. Now it's your, uh, your natural blended theme. It also reduces the size of your ornamental yard and it also reduces the maintenance. And speaking of maintenance, let's move on to the next one. And it's one that I, uh, I really, really like. I do, especially out west, and that is the lawnless theme. Some of the videos that I've done on this is some of the best performing videos uh, of the channel and of other people's channels as well. In some parts of the drought-stricken west in the United States and other parts of the world, even though the western U.S. has been smacked about by a lot of water this winter, it's still not out of that drought yet. But in approaching a makeover of a landscape or putting a new one in, this lawnless theme, this lawnless theme is very, very popular. You know, in parts of California where I practiced, I had gone through a couple of droughts and the state of California, it's got a lot of problems, but Holy cow, at least the Woo Calls program, the one where you could actually get a rebate and part of your landscape paid for by the state, if you introduced various uh, plant material, lawnless plant material into your landscape off of the, the Woo Calls capitals, all capitals, W-U-C-O-L-S, off their plant list, and they would pay for part of that. It was really, it was really a good program. I had three on my resume when I got done and they were, uh, they were very, very pleased. The last one that I did in Oakdale, California, probably had 20% of the landscape paid for on uh, rebate. Now, I don't know if it's still going on. Maybe it is. Drop me a comment and let me know. But several municipalities during drought years hire, lay off, and then rehire people as water police. And they're given a car, and all they do every day is drive around looking for uh, violators watering on the wrong day or during the wrong hours and issuing them warnings on the front door. And if you have, I think, two or more, then you start getting fined into court over it. Very, very controversial. So in using very, very uh, drought-appropriate type of plant material, a wonderful combination of various ground covers, low maintenance, drought tolerant natives and other ornamentals that combine well and synced with each other for water needs, you know, you would have a tenth of the water requirements compared to a normal lawn turf saturated type of landscape. Through the droughts of the western U.S. where when I practiced, lawnless landscapes coupled with the last great recession that we went through was basically what kept my company afloat during the last recession. It really did. 80% of my business or more was 
thirsty lawn removal, capping of sprinkler systems, and converting over to drip irrigation and lawnless landscapes. And that was basically my niche. It, it filled the bill and it filled it very nicely. Now, could people have bought a lot of water to throw onto their thirsty lawn for the amount of money they paid me? Yes, but most of the customers that I had were conscientious towards the bigger picture and they wanted something not only to save them water starting now, but also three, five, ten, and beyond years and trying to kind of take care of the environment a little bit. So lawnless landscapes are very, very in vogue. Now you get back east and some of some parts of the Midwest and the deep south where lots and lots of rain, some of you guys don't even give a darn about water. It's there all the time. You don't have irrigation systems because Mother, Mother Nature is your irrigation system. But you still could do lawnless landscapes back there if for no other reason than to reduce the amount of maintenance, either professional maintenance or doing it yourself maintenance. You kind of thin the herd down as far as what you're having to do and you're certainly not having to mow the grass every Saturday. Okay, moving on. Here's where Maestro and I kind of blended, blended a couple of these themes that you're hearing about today. The sustainable theme. This is one of my favorites and one I really incorporated into our last house at Weed Patch Ranch. It was not 100% sustainable, more like, uh, more like 50%, something like that. I love a landscape that not only looks good, but has that capability based on what you planted to return to you some form of a harvest, some form of a sustainable food product that you don't have to run down to the store and buy during parts of the year. Not only that, but sustainable landscapes really make you look forward to certain parts of the year. I can remember I couldn't wait till the end of June through August for my peaches to come into vogue. Or mid-June to mid-July when the plum trees were going. Or the end of November when the olive orchard was coming in and ripening. It was always part of the year where you went, oh, you know what's coming. And that's what sustainable landscapes do to you. Depending on the depth you wish to delve into can almost make you, almost make you pass up the produce aisle in the grocery store almost permanently depending on where you live. You know, if you greenhoused it up north or you even greenhoused it some places, you know, in higher zones, you can do stuff year round. Just, you can't. Not only that, but when you have sustainable stuff, you know darn well that the nutritional values of that food that you're harvesting, depending on how you cared for it, obviously, is no more chemical treatments of your produce like you get at the store. You know, there was a brief time when I was in the extermination business and I can remember being exposed to things like how often our food products are exposed to things like methyl bromide and other chemicals to kill off pests and other things before they're washed off again and then th thrown in a bag and sent to the grocery store. And you look at those beautiful oranges that came from Africa, like I bought the other day, and you're wondering, hmm, I wonder if those, yeah, they probably did, but what choice do I have? Not anymore. You know, if you love fresh cherries in May, June, or whenever they ripen for you where you're at, put a few of those things in. You don't need a lot. I mean, 
we had three cherry trees and by the time they started bearing we had more cherries than we knew what to do with we had bags of cherries we were taking to work and giving away so you don't need a whole lot so just gauge it on what you could actually use and then conveniently share with family and friends but sustainable gardening when i have a yard again i guarantee you it is going to be close to 80 or 90 percent sustainable stuff it will be i i already know what's going to be and you can also go and take that sustainable theme dovetail it a little bit with the lawnless landscape dovetail it with a container theme and man you've got it you've got a literally a produce aisle right in your yard there's some places how should i say hoas and some uh, uppity neighborhoods you know and gated communities they have certain rules about what goes in the front yard you know they want to have percentage of grass and two trees at a minimum and blah 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 but in the backyard you probably have a lot more free reign but think about the sustainable landscape theme where you have fruits and veggies that are there literally almost year round and you can go into berries blueberries and blackberries fruit trees raised beds for your vegetable gardens a very very uh, reduced version of homesteading it really is and you can uh, really enjoy and the one thing about sustainable landscape it can easily be incorporated into existing ornamental landscapes from the beginning or retrofitted doesn't matter by reducing lawn sizes instead of going out and getting privets to put in there why not put in something like blueberries if it's suitable why not uh, convert it to a raised bed area uh, trellising vines for grapes and berries smaller yards think smaller fruit trees think of dwarf and ultra dwarf fruit trees so they don't get so big that you can't care for them or you need to go get a pruning or a harvesting ladder to harvest the stuff that is 12 feet off the ground you can keep it much more like I did my peach orchard at about six to seven or less and that way you can take care of it very easily right from ground level the one thing about sustainables I got to tell you about it's not uh it's not a maintenance-free landscape theme if you want good production each year you have to think about crop rotation you have to think about uh, keeping amendments at hand to make sure that your soils whether it be raised bed soils or native soils that they're constantly cared for they're tilled they're weeded part of the permaculture society says let the weeds go I don't know if I'm all on board but I have seen I have seen channels that are very very successful albeit sometimes there's weeds and everything around the fruit trees but they're growing stuff in raised beds because weeds just like the crop you're trying to grow are going to use nutrients where they come from so take care of your sustainable landscape you can have your ornamentals you can have your fruit bearing food bearing plants and you can blend that very very nicely into a very good looking landscape okay let's move on to our next one this one here is rooted in european history and brought to the u.s way back in the 13 colonies days and that is the formal landscape theme this one here you're not going to get too much more higher maintenance than the green meatball boxes and balls theme huge expansive lawns and big green shrubs and hedges we've all seen them 
generally on huge older estates type of thing. But, uh, you know, those big hedges and those boxes and balls and pyramids and, and twisty plants and all the things that come along with that theme, you've got a minimum of four to six times a year taking care of that theme. And even more if you have the big lawn. Uh, most plant selections kind of revolve around the, the formal clippy plants that work really well when they get sheared a lot. The boxwoods, the privets, the taxis, the, um, some cedars, and that kind of thing. But if it's what you like, and you like that monochromatic green look everywhere, then go for it. Do it. Uh, they generally grow fairly easy. It's just that if you want to maintain it in a formal appearance, yeah, you got to have a good pair of clippers and either hedge clippers or power clippers, whatever it might be, and keeping them very, very presentable. Nothing worse than a formal one that's let go. It will look sloppy as hell. I know a lot of the, the landscapes that I was exposed to when I was learning many decades ago uh, was a formal type of theme. It was very, very uh, acceptable to have that well-clipped, very high-maintained lawn and shrubbery and then people would break up that monochromatic green by having frontal beds with bulbs and color and other stuff that really freshened it up and certainly added pleasure to the eye when you have your colors of both annuals and perennials mixed in okay moving on this one here out of uh probably more just underneath the theme of all concrete this one here has the least amount of maintenance and that would be your rock theme. You will find no less maintenance than this theme. Doing absolutely nothing to your yard will require more attention than a neatly laid out rock landscape. You know, using gravels of various sizes, uh, edgings between each of these gravels, uh, boulders, both small and big as specimens and as structure, the occasional plant or maybe a tree. And that is basically it, you know, and if you do it right, if you lay it out correctly, it can be a very tasteful to the eye landscape. You can mix in colors, maybe in a container or so. 99% of the time, these things are not spray irrigated, they're drip irrigated and Think smaller plant material. Don't think things that are going to get large. Everything would be dwarf this and dwarf that. See it a lot down in the southwest of the USA. You have a lot of lawnless landscapes, and then you have a lot of landscapes that barely have anything to them. They have a couple of plants, maybe a swirl of rock and gravel, uh, cactus or sedums out there. That is it call it good. And it's because of the extremes that those areas of the country are subjected to and the cost of water and the amount of water available. So the rock theme, uh, I have done a couple in Northern California. I, not to my taste personally. I like the softer look, even though gravels eventually, especially if they're over fabric, will be very, very good weed retardation and also a very cooling to the root zone type of thing. Even though it's gravel, a couple inches down and then under fabric and into the ground, it's a great insulator and it will not allow uh, a lot of evaporation, just as if you threw a bunch of cedar mulch over the top of it. 
Mulch is mulch, and in this case, your whole yard is a gravel rock mulch. So your rock theme is, uh, for someone maybe who is professional, they want to tastefully get it done, have a few plants here and there, and do the, do the gravel rock theme thing, and they're good because they're professionals out working 70, 80 hours a week, or they're traveling globally for their profession, or they're single and they've bought their first home, but they don't have time to take care of it because other things are happening all the time. They're traveling, they're getting a career off the ground, whatever it might be. So think about the rock theme if you really want to reduce. I can remember uh, one particular job that I was doing in Manteca, California, and across the street was a rock theme yard. And the only reason I call my attention to it because we were always hearing their house alarm going off when I was working there. We were putting in a lawnless landscape and they had a rock landscape. And it was, uh, it could have been taken care of better. It was owned by a retired couple that was out on the road uh, traveling for years and years. And they were only home probably about a month out of the year. But they did not have any professional people coming in and taking care of stuff. So if things blew in, things took root, it had to be maintained and they didn't have anybody doing that. They would come home and do it themselves and put it back in good order, be there for uh, one, two or three months and then they would be bouncing again. So it was very, very easy on them. Everything with these rock landscapes, like I said, is drip irrigation. It's, there's no sprays involved at all. And as long as you don't have neighbors that have huge deciduous trees, their fall cleanup was basically a low flow blower, blow it into a corner somewhere, rake it up, throw it away, done, done till next year, period. All right, let's go on to our next one and that's the water theme. I saw this one once, I don't know if it was intentional, I kind of think it was intentional, knowing the, the customers and the customers were much, much older than I was. They were elderly and they were very infirmed and they could not get out like they used to to take care of it. And I remember seeing pictures of their backyard when they and the yard were in their prime. Oh my God, it was very well thought out. And a water theme is where you have the ability to put more than one water feature in there and you create various vignettes that go along with each water feature. And you have it laid out so that as you're moving from one vignette to another, you have a certain sound that is in your ear, it leaves your ear, and you come into another vignette that has a whole different sound of water, and maybe a little different layout in the vignette. Maybe it's a, a reading vignette with a very soft, sheer descent type of uh, water feature. And then you go to one where you have a hammock, and the hammock was there, or a swing, and it was just a little bit more of a gurgle creek type of sound. And then you went around the corner and there was a pondless waterfall. And in the pondless waterfall, there was a little more robustness to the sound because it was the one closest to the roadway out there that when school let in or let out was kind of noisy. And so that pondless waterfall drowned that traffic out just a little bit, made it a lot more palatable. But as I recall, and this is now 2003 that I saw this, they had six or seven, six or seven water features in the backyard. Why was I there? I was there to maintain them. Uh, switch out a pump or two, 
couple of new tubings here and there, clean out biofilters and other stuff and put things back in order for them. So even though, even though the yard itself, which we did prune and do some other things to clean it all up, it was never going to look like a prime, but everything was working when we got done. And it was really kind of neat because as we fixed each water feature, the place kind of came alive again with the sounds. And the vignette started to, you know, really become very, very noticeable as we clean things up. A nip here and a tuck there and trees pruned and things raked up and anaerobic basins cleaned out. And yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a good job. It took us the better part of a week to do it, but it really looked neat. So if you're thinking about something that would uh, really be kind of the, the whole staycation thing, this would be one that you would want to have. Something that when you got home from work, you go out to the Zen spot and you can just sit there and have a glass of wine or whatever and have the water sound going on and put your headphones in, do a workout, do your yoga, do whatever. And water gardening, if approached correctly with a little education, can also be a very low maintenance. And you can also dovetail this into things like the lawnless landscape as well. You really can. And now you have kind of a cauldron of ideas that are brought together where you have three or four water features. Remember to bring your electricity out in the yard so you have something to plug the pump into and be able to do this and have water there with very low water maintenance when it comes to the plants. Something to think about. Maestro and I at Weed Patch Ranch, we had a couple of water features. Now it was you know, two and a half acres, and I wasn't going to have water features everywhere, but we had, we had, and we've showed it before on the channel, the uh, stack slate urn out front on the sunset deck, and then we had the pondless waterfall on the back patio. And to get more than that, uh, it just would have required more money than I had at the time. And besides, I had other things that I was doing with the yard along the sustainable route. But had we stayed there longer, I think we probably would have had another one or two uh, in the backyard, not the front yard, but in the backyard, especially over by the shop. I think we would have done one there. Water features are very easy to set up and with a little bit of snooping around, either here on YouTube or whatever, it's not hard to find, put them together. They're really not. It's just a little bit of sweat equity. That's all it is. The water feature theme, as far as maintenance goes, kind of comes in the form of adding water occasionally, you know, because it does either have a small splash factor or it has evaporation factor. If you're in a real warmer area uh, where sunlight is abundant and you do this, if you don't keep micro amounts of control to the water, you can develop a string algae thing, which can be taken care of with not too much trouble, but uh, it can be controlled with some biochemicals kept in there. Nothing that's gonna hurt you or the dog or anything else but it'll just eliminate it. There's also UV light controls you can build into the system so that algae doesn't grow, period. I think one thing about the water themes is it will attract wildlife. If you're looking to attract wildlife to your yard, you can have mammals and birds and, and reptiles and all kinds of things that come and find your water feature as a water source. And I've shared it before. I mean, we've had uh, coyotes sleeping on the front lawns. We had lots of frogs and toads. We had birds, oh plenty, that would come and take baths in the 
in the stream on the pondless waterfall and hummingbirds drinking out of the sunset deck water feature. And it was really kind of neat. It, it made it special beyond just the sounds and stuff. Uh, it was also providing for uh, the local wildlife. Okay, the last one today is the sports theme. And if you think about it, lots of sports themes can be built into residential landscapes. And I'm gonna go through the, this one just a little bit faster than the others because it, it's a very narrow, narrow audience that I'd be speaking with. But think about it, you can have the golf theme where you have artificial turfs and other things that are put in for uh, chipping and putting greens. You can have basketball theme where you have half court or if you got a big place and you have someone who is talent o plenty with basketball, you can have that. You can have batting cages. You can have pickleball courts, and a lot of these things can be very, very incorporated into some of the, the larger landscapes, shall we say. More than just putting the, the water-filled thing out on the sidewalk and playing basketball in the street. I'm talking about something that is expanded on tremendously and put into the backyard where you actually have recreation, even with lights at night, if you've got that kind of a checkbook. The sports theme is can be incorporated into some of the other. If you have that big of a landscape, you may have a portion of the landscape dedicated to a batting cage backed up by a half court basketball, but then you have a water feature on the way to the back door. And as you enter your back door, you look to your left and you have some of your sustainable orchard out there. So you can kind of blend it together a little bit. Well, there you go. Some of the landscape themes that I think that are very popular that are uh, easily understood. And if you're creating a new landscape for yourself, and if you're doing that project this year, maybe think about when you're putting it down on paper, hmm, what kind of theme do I wanna bring with this? What kind of house do I have? What kind of lifestyle do I lead? How much time can I afford to put to this landscape? Am I gonna have to hire Joe Schmo who comes around here every week to mow my grass because I don't have time to do it? What is the theme that you're going to approach this on? And I seriously suggest that if you put it down on paper, put more than one down on paper. Maybe one of your themes is going to be the formal one. The next one might be a lawnless theme. Another one, if you have the room, might be a sports theme or a water feature theme. And if you do it tastefully, you can blend the two together so that it does make sense. I just caution you, not to do it in a weekend warrior mode. Go off of a master plan, one that's gonna guide you start to finish so that when you're done, you're done. And it stands on its own. People don't have to put their, their hand on their cheek and look at and go, what are you trying to do here? That's the last thing you want from someone seeing all your work and sweat equity. Guys, that's what I have for you this week. I would really like to know what theme is in your yard? What do you call it? Do you call it a uh, weekend warrior, lay on the couch, watch the game, don't give a crap about the landscape theme? Or do you actually have a, a legitimate theme that you try to convey both to yourself and the neighborhood of this is my landscape theme? Guys, I'll see you next Friday. As always, to your landscape success, I'll see you over on the YouTube channel. And don't forget plan of the week over there. If you have not checked it out yet, maybe you need to pick up something this year as a gift or for yourself, check out our new Amazon storefront. It's always listed in this podcast details and also over on the, the YouTube channel. 
and the website, youryardcoach.com. I appreciate your attention. Catch you guys next Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.